Hey guys, it's your girl Charlene with Soul Sisters Talk. What's up, everybody? Oh my God, get your pens, pencil, paper, coffee, tea, whatever you sipping. Get it together today because I got a treat for you. We got a couple who's been married 38 years. Yes, I said 38 years. They still looking good, talking good, and loving what they're doing together. They're going to be dropping some nuggets of information on us. And I'm telling you, it's designed to keep your marriage strong. So hope you enjoy. Love you guys. Hey, everybody, it's your girl Charlene with Soul Sisters Talk, and welcome to part three of our series called The Journey of Marriage, the ups and the downs, but we can make it through them together. One of our commitments on this podcast is to feature ordinary women and men who are doing extraordinary things in their lives, people who are impacting the world little by little, change by change. So this series is designed to create an open dialogue about marriages and its ups and its downs. And we know that marriage is honorable in the sight of God. But we also know that mixing and meshing two personalities, two willpowers, and two hearts together can certainly be challenging. (laughs) So we want to explore how couples have made it through their journey called marriage. We want to thank our guests in advance for being transparent for being honest and for being vulnerable today. As we highlight their life and they help us with real life issues. Talking about something so intimate as your marriage is sacred and it can be hard, but opening up and sharing with others can be liberating and restorative. It can also help others on their journey. And so without further ado, I want to introduce, of course, my man. He's here joining me again. Hey, Rich. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Rich. Glad to be here. <laughs> Love you guys. And our guest for today's show is Anthony and Bonnie Coleman. Hello. Hello. They will be married 38 years in August this year. Awesome. They Thank have you. adult um, children who are married, and they have a combination of five grandchildren. And they are busy grandparents and involved in their grandchildren's lives, aren't you guys? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. That face. (laughs) What's that face, Anthony? Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's all I'm saying on the bio there. They are busy, 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 so... That's very good. So we are glad to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what did y'all think when I called you and said, hey, would y'all do this podcast with me? Uh, Always. I think it's always uh, incredible to uh, be able to take time to share uh, your journey and your experience uh, in uh, in marriage. I think it's important. I think that uh, uh, a lot of uh, our younger people need to uh, be able to, uh, to hear uh, the uh, ups and the downs that come with uh, marriage. And so, uh, believe me, in 38 years, we have experienced it all. The highs, the lows, the in-betweens. Yes. And so yes. it's uh, just a wonderful opportunity to be able to share. 
Amen. I did all that. I did all everything of that. And thank you for that. Um, when we were talking and Reggie and I were talking about different guests to invite, we definitely said we wanted someone who has been through this for, you know, longer than us and seasoned and had, had some real experiences. And so we are very honored to have you guys on our show today. Um, I wanted to start off, as I always do, with a quote. You know which one we're going to do, honey? Had you thought about it? Well, I'm going to go back to one that I thoroughly enjoy. Okay. It's by Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife. And the quote actually says, a good marriage is a union of two good forgivers. And that's one I hold on dearly because every day I need my wife to forgive me and also I need to forgive her and not carry no resentment. So that's, I love that that's quote. Wow, that's good. That is, that is wonderful. That is the quote, I think, for Christendom. Yes. And for our lives. Absolutely. Um, that will carry you through. Yes, ma'am. Carry you through. I think that is an amazing quote, and thank you for sharing that one. Thank you, babe. All right. So let's get right into it. So tell us, guys, how did you guys meet? We know it's two versions. Yeah, and y'all, we know y'all got two versions. Everybody we done had on the show has his version and her version. So what's y'all's version? Who going first? But I think we I think I think we're gonna agree on this one. Okay, it was at a block see. party. Officially, it was at a block party. Mm. At a block we, party. We, right. We grew up knowing each other's family, but it wasn't until I graduated and it was you was graduating, right? And we met at a block party. Okay. okay. We started right. talking at a block party. Okay. I initiated the, the conversation. <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> okay. I walked over to her uh -huh. and began to share a little bit of this game. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, must have worked. Move, move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I that's like accurate. that. That's accurate. That is yeah. accurate. And, and actually, that's that. I think we we do agree on it. Uh, met. I mean, amazing, amazingly. But uh, the interesting thing is, is that we went to the same uh, high school, mm -hmm. and within that. Four years of high school, we never wow. spoke to each other. Okay. She played basketball. I went to all of the basketball games. I we I actually played basketball against her in the you know in the community. We killed them. We killed them. You killed them. We dragged them. We dragged them. But actually, actually, never. You never. mean her school? No, on the basketball court. I was on school team, yeah. And so just never, never, never really, never spoke to each other or anything. It's, it wasn't until that um, uh, faithful day that uh, I did meet her uh, at the block party and just really began to, uh, like I said, it's just uh, to me, when I look back at it, to, to grow up in the same area, I knew her older sister, things like that. I mean, didn't know her, but saw her and everything. But then just to come and uh, meet was an incredible encounter. Oh my goodness, that's good. So let me ask you this. Anthony, for you, when you were growing up, and Bonnie, I want you to answer this too. Did you guys 
think about marriage? Was marriage taught in your family? So when you met Bonnie, was like you looking for like, oh, I want to have a wife or it was just, hey, you know, she cute. I'm going to kick it. What was marriage presented to you guys when you were younger? Or how was it presented? Well, I think when you, I think when you're younger, uh, you see the examples that's being set in your home. Okay. okay. And so to know that my mother was married again, I think that that kind of shapes your view as a young person of relationships and the importance of uh, marriage. Okay. And so uh, again, I think that those young experience, those experience as a youth uh, to see others that were around uh, being married and then also to see it also uh, in the church also uh, others being uh, married. I think it was something that, again, as you became older, as you became a young adult, um, and as you were experiencing dating, uh, dating uh, young ladies, you know, it was always something that was in your mind, you know, uh, marriage, who you were going to marry. I think it was, it was being formulated at that young age, but again, let's also bring in the reality of it too. As a young, as a young adolescent, again, marriage wasn't the at the forefront of my mind. Uh, there were other things that uh, were on my mind in as far as dating young ladies. Okay, and um, before I ask Bonnie this question. Were you taught, though, as a man about marriage or just observed what you saw in your home? I would say just, I, I say more so the lessons came from my observation more so than uh, someone individually sitting me down and talking about marriage. I think, I think the, the education for me came from observation more okay. than it came from someone teaching a lesson to me. Okay, very good. And for you, Bonnie, how was marriage for you? Is that something you grew up thinking about or, you know? Actually, it was on the, a different spectrum, totally okay. opposite. Um, my mom was already a widow when I was born. 18 months in, my dad got shot. Mm. She never remarried. Wow. None of my siblings ever got married. Wow. Um, I had a close uncle and aunt um, that was my mom's brother. I kind of observed their marriage. And then um, one other uncle, which was my dad's brother, I kind of observed their marriage. Okay. And so I, I, with Anthony, I wasn't never sat down and say, hey, this is what marriage should be, but I observed. And the two that I happened to observe, actually three, two of my dad's brother and my mom's brother. With my mom's brother, their marriage was, she was very aggressive and he was very quiet. Okay. Um, she was very dominant. To me, I think mean-spirited. And he was very quiet, patient, peaceful. Didn't argue back with her. And with my two brother, with my dad's two brothers, one of the wives, the, the first wife, she was kind of, it was a balance there. They were actually kind of good. 
ups and downs, whatever they got through it. But then she couldn't take it anymore as far as I think how he interacted with his own sons. And then he left the marriage and got remarried. When he remarried, he married this lady that was very, what we would call highfalutin and thought she was all that. But then my other uncle, he ended up being an alcoholic and she stayed by him. She was still kind of aggressive, did what she wanted to do, but yet she would cook for him, she'll care for him, but she would let him just do what he wanted to do. And she kind of did what she wanted to do, but he was very much so an alcoholic. So that was it for me as far as with marriage. Um, my sisters never desired to. Uh, my older sister was kind of like 10 years in, as they call common law, never had any ceremonies or anything. So that kind of was it for me. I, I thought I would. I wanted to be married, though. Uh, we talked about how many kids we wanted to have. So marriage was something that when we got together, we talked about really being together. And we were yet young, though. Yeah. We were 18, 19 at that point. That, that's good. Um, we've interviewed other couples, and um, I think the premise has been, I think like you guys said, really for you, and I think observation with Reggie, it was more of an observation of marriage and what marriage looked like versus having someone kind of sit down and tell you about it. Um, for me, I felt a little different growing up. I felt like my mom was grooming me to be a wife and to be married, you know, and to do those things in my perspective. And, and Reggie was saying in his perspective, it, it was really different for you of what you saw marriage look like. Yeah, it was totally different for me. I, I viewed it dysfunctional because I was dealing with abandonment and hurt from my mom loving someone who I thought was not a good individual to be in love with, well, being a marriage with. He was a good, fun guy, but he wasn't uh, a father at all. And then my aunts and uncles, I kind of didn't, I loved them, but I didn't gravitate towards their marriage because all my aunts were strong, real, dominant. Um, um, women and it was unbalanced even though they had strong men but you know you can still see the aggressive personality not so much on them but over us um, so marriage was something I learned and witnessed when I got saved and that was the first time I generally seen people truly love each other um, and you know and that was mind blowing to me and it just and I thank God orchestrated that. So mm -hmm. then I had a desire to be married. So I didn't come with no preconceived mo notions, but I had some desires that I wanted to do different. And we had opportunity to discuss and have conversation of what marriage looked like and roles in marriage, parenting, stuff of that nature. So that's good to hear how, you know, everybody grows their background is different in their view of marriage. So you guys have been married, um, what is, what is it, 30, almost 38 years. So you guys have been through a lot and seen a lot. That means you got married when y'all were like nine because y'all look like y'all only 38. I mean, what? What was y'all doing? I mean, why? Y'all looking good. I need some of that juice, doctor. <laughs> Y'all like y'all had to get um baby certificate signed to get married. I mean, what was y'all doing? Y'all looking good. So um, with that being said, you guys have had to. You must have gotten married young. And how old did y'all say when you were when you married? 
high school? 18 and 19. 18 and 19. So you have had to face some challenges in your marriage. Do you guys remember one of the hardest challenges individually, or I guess it could be the same one, that you guys faced early on in your marriage? Can you share one of those times that was really hard for you guys that you faced early on in your marriage? <laughs> Anthony, you get to go first. You get to go first. Well, I I think uh, I think it's just like with uh, any uh, adventure that's new to you. It's a uh, somewhat of a losing of your independence. Absolutely. Uh, from the st from the standpoint of you're coming together now and you have to lose uh, some selfishness because, you know, we, uh, again, yeah, we got married when we were young. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't until a year later uh, that we had a child, had our first child. And so what it did, I, I guess one of the things that uh, the question is, you know what 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 are the difficulties of that it will be again learning to sacrifice uh, learning to be less self-centered on yourself and sharing so i again i i think that was uh the yeah, biggest uh thing in the beginning that i had to to learn Bonnie, how about for you? Is there is there an incident or situation that you remember particularly that was a challenge for you guys? I would almost piggyback on the same thing that he said, but a little bit more detailed as far as once uh, we did have our firstborn and just knowing that you have now incorporated a whole nother family into your life mm -hmm. and allowing them to come in and help. So my guard was, I didn't need the help. I wanted to do it on my own. I didn't want to really share per se. And, you know, with the child, you know, raising the child and stuff like that. And then also, I think mainly for uh, his family, it was, you know, the family gathering was essential. Every Sunday, it was that, you know, it was that. And so we didn't have that in my family. So I had to adjust to that. And then I found it challenging when I wanted to pull back from it and didn't just want to go one time. And so that, what he said, far as sharing and that selfishness and wanting to be alone a lot of times, that was very challenging for me. And those are really, yeah. Yeah, those are really good examples. I think that a lot of people can identify with what you guys just shared. I mean, learning that your independence has changed. Yep. Right? And now things that i used to like to do maybe do differently or by myself now i'm having to figure out how to do this with my partner and what they like so those are really good so then the conclusion to that is how did you guys work on resolution um differently when you were younger versus now right um was conflict resolution harder to come to then and i'm sure it's better now because you've had time but back then, when you had those, when you had those really hard moments, how did you deal with those with, and come to a conflict resolution? Well, even with that same incident, we came we came to agreement 
that we would begin to share holidays. Okay. First agreement was, let me just cook at home. Because now I'm learning how to cook, take care of family, take care of baby. And I didn't need my family or his family. I didn't want it. But it was still important to both of us how we shared time with family. So what we agreed was that, okay, yeah, you can start cooking. And then we'll rotate holidays who we go spend time with. Mainly we did it with both those. So many hours here and so many hours there. So early we resolved that quickly. That was, a, that was a resolve, learning how to not ignore his family that was important to him and then not me ignore mine, you know, because our family backgrounds was totally different. Totally different. Talk a little bit about that. What do you mean? As far as my family was very much so in the streets, on drugs, did what they wanted to do, no commitment, no nothing to nobody in and out of you know guys and you know and girls and stuff like nothing they that was the life for them street life was it that's how my dad got killed street life and so i had a very strong grandmother and my mom was very strong praise god so you got to figure that trait i'm the baby i'm seeing two dominant women take care of everything absent of a male right and so i got that i garnered that and even though you don't think you take that in but you do when you start living your life yeah those seem like those those small traits seep in and even though you may say i don't want to be like that i'm gonna be different yes it happens though and because it's just family it's, it's in your blood and it's a part of who you are and so with that his family, to me, maybe he can explain his family, but my perspective of his family was more or less they were bougie and upper shalom. No, seriously. Absolutely. Um, and we, we talked about it. Yeah. Always talked about it. And I say, hey, my family crazy. They on drugs. Yours is crazy and ain't on drugs. But that was my perspective of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, and so um, I got along well with um, probably, oh, Barbara was difficult for me yeah. by her being the oldest. And then for him, my sisters viewed him as a square because he didn't drink, he didn't do drugs, he didn't smoke weed, he didn't do anything. So they was like, oh, you getting with him? He a square, he ain't nothing. And so what really was the turning point for them was when he gave me my first car, it blew their mind. Because no, no guy has ever given any of them, no, really, something yeah. of value. Something right. that, okay, this is yours. Right. And so it changed my sister's dynamic towards, towards him. I don't, I don't want to say it might have been a jealousy, but they was like, Dad, he really loved her. Out of all the guys, you know, that I'm with or whatever. And mind you, in that drug life, that's just what that was. You know, so that's what I mean. Our families were different. And so I'm strong-willed now because my mother and grandmother is strong-willed. I'm very aggressive as well. And whatever I didn't like, I was able to voice it. But over the years, I had to learn how, hey, you need to bring that down. You need to tame that. You need to work on it. Wow. Yeah, I think with uh, earlier on dealing with conflict, uh, that, that was the question. How did, we, how did we evolve in dealing with conflict? 
I think early on dealing with conflict, she taught me some things. She taught me a softer side because uh, um, with the softer side, remember, I we were young. And so I had to learn how to um, come to her in a loving manner and not just a hard and rough type of thing because I whenever whenever I demanded something of her I think she immediately pushed back because again she she was raised by strong women and so what I had to learn how to do earlier on is to respect who she was you know in how I communicated with her and so uh, I don't think that happened like overnight I know Absolutely. it didn't happen Absolutely. overnight. Definitely. I think it was something that we had to uh, grow, grow to. And so I would say from the perspective of conflict, what I did was uh, learn from her, took her cue, uh, you know, uh, learn how to learn how to communicate to her, you know, and that's something that I still, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm no master of it to this day. It's, you know, you know, you know uh, again, uh, I think that she's always had to remind me of who I was talking to. Okay, and so I, again, I think when you when you that's the wonderful thing about marriage is that you both come in uh, at at different levels. Mm-hmm. And with different perspectives, yes, as yes. she was saying, you know, because you, you, you have different upbringings, right? Uh, you know, you know, my 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 dad was very soft spoken. Okay, I, you know, I, uh, I don't. So I know I didn't get some of my early attributes from my dad. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was a hothead. You know, I, I, I was. Uh, very strong. I had a strong personality. He, although her, although her family viewed me as uh, you know as a square or whatever, I viewed myself as strong because I had seen uh, the ravages of uh, drug addiction. Yeah. You know, so for me, you know, I wasn't soft. I was strong because I was in an environment where. It wasn't just her family. I was in an environment where everybody, yeah. my friends, yeah. people I hung out with, yeah. were had addictions. Right. And so I was determined for me to show a strength, strength. Yeah. Yes. that others didn't show. So 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 I didn't I wasn't offended by I wasn't offended by them saying that I was uh maybe soft or square. Because I knew that. I was able to stand in the midst of them and be different. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and that is so powerful what you just said. That last line was you didn't mind because you knew who you were. Yeah. And I think in a lot of relationships, conflict comes from the unresolved understanding of, you know, you may not understand all of you, but definitely that thing that makes it important. And for him, what made his strength important or, or how he saw his strength was because he had stood against the things that everybody else had fallen to so easily. 
he stood against that. And I think that kudos to you that Absolutely. you were able to, you know, take a stand and say, I'm just not going to do that no matter what people think or, so, yeah. or you have to say about me. So mm -hmm. that's good. Any feedback for you? Yeah, that, I just think that was real powerful on both journeys yeah. and both perspectives. Um, I'm picking back on Bonnie them to get back to Anthony. But, you know, coming up in that lifestyle world, you know, dysfunctional was a part of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And mm -hmm. you had to choose, you know, yeah. uh, which way to go and navigate, you know, and a lot of us succumb to the environment to fit in because we're social creatures, you know, but witnessing strong women, you know, my uncle and my granddaddy was, and my godfather was the only three strong men that was constantly in my Uncle Bob in my life, you know what I mean? And then my dad, because I walked in unforgiveness and resentment, I end up doing the thing I said I'd never do and, and became more like him. Yeah. And then when I got saved and got into forgiveness and repentance, you know, I was able to walk more towards where Anthony uh, perspective. I'm comfortable enough with who I am because now I see the, the devastation uh, and the ravage of the addiction, the, the social lifestyles of coming from and seeing what it does from imprisonment and all of that, you know, and then having someone like Anthony, especially in our early marriage, to be able to say, man, regardless of what happened, I'm going to stand for my family. That was important to me, you know what I mean? Especially when I got at UL, man, that was, I don't think I ever shared this with Anthony, but, you know, your strength of just saying, despite all I got a family to take care of, so I got to always walk in humility. You know what I mean? That spoke volumes to me. Because all I know, I didn't want to fail as a husband and didn't want to fail as a father. So I took a lot of cues from people by just watching. Yeah. Not so much verbally having a conversation with you, but I watch your walk. I can recall after walking the track one day, and I said, boy, somebody must have pissed him off real bad. You know what I mean? But he had to go get liberated. Right. <laughs> because, it, it, you know, when I was coming up, you just walk away. That never, that never fixed anything. And, you, and then you still always are. And you, don't, you hurt yourself more than the people you're walking away from. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, enjoy, I thank y'all for sharing that because that meant a whole lot to me. Yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, and I think, you know, just as you said, learning conflict, understanding our backgrounds and understanding where we come from. I definitely think that helps us. In, in, and I think we talked one time about understanding the heart of your mate. And doing that is by understanding some of that with the background of who they are intrinsically, yeah. right? Yeah. What they saw growing up, what has made them. When you can kind of understand that, it helps you navigate in the ups and the downs of your relationship. I want to read another um, quote before we go into our next question. Um, this is by Helen Mirren. A great marriage or the great marriages are partnerships. It can't be a great marriage without being a great partnership. So marriages, so it says a great marriage are partnerships. It can't be great without having a great partner. What do you guys think about that? I think that um, I think that speaks volumes as well because if you don't like your mate, your partner, you ain't going to get anywhere. 
You yeah. just, if, if you're not, if you don't even have two things in common, you ain't going to get anywhere. At least I think in order to make a partnership well, like we both like basketball. That was something we had in common. We liked, meaning I would be able to watch it, whatever, football, whatever. I was just sports oriented. So we had that in common. But then we also had in common that, um, you know, far as how many kids we wanted and how we would discipline them. That's good. We agreed on that. So that, that alone can make you good partners. If I like what he likes, one thing, whatever, he likes what I like, then we can start a journey well. Because we both going to start really peeling back stuff where, oh, I didn't know you liked that. You like that too? Or I don't. You know, so I, I agree with her quote that partnership, liking one another, fi finding and admitting some, some of the same things that you like up front will definitely help you down the road. I can't, I, you know, I hear a lot of times with some couples that, well, we never discussed children and how many we wanted. We never discussed how we would discipline them. Because one believe in not in, in really not sparing the rod, and the other one just want to put it in time out. So having a partnership meaning that we have discussed some important life issues that we're going to have, kids, finances, and we'll, when we'll really start to resolve them or really honor or respect each other, how we feel on it, but somehow come together in it for the best of the family. If I have to die to something, then I have to die to something. If it's for the betterment of the family, for betterment, you know, for the partnership or whatever, it's vice versa. If he has to die to something, then he'll die to it. So the greater good can go forward. Anthony, you have any feedback? Yeah, I, again, I think partnership uh, is important. And I think that uh, those partnerships have to have uh, some validation to them and uh, some core values uh, that you do have to share in that. And I, so I think that uh, earlier on, I think, like you said, what 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 creates the intrigue about that person is that you are attracted to them initially, mm -hmm. uh, again, and so therefore that first attraction leads you to discuss what are some of the things like that are similar. Yeah, yeah. You know, some similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, take for instance, you know, although our families were different. There were some similarities. She was from a big family, seven in her family. Then there was eight in yeah. my family. Yeah. And then not only that, you know, even though, like I said, the similarities, her mother, her, her, her mother, one of the things, one, one, of, one of the things when I was a young man that I learned early on is that before you get into a long relationship with a young lady, you got to meet her mother. Absolutely. Right, 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 right. And i never forget meeting her mother. <laughs> her mother gave me an impression of who she would be because of her mother. Absolutely. Right? And I fell in love with her mother, right? 
I mean, you know, in a sense that I respected her. Right. I learned some history about her mother. And I said, now, wow, if this is an intrinsic value of her mother, then I know somewhere deep down she has that too. Her mother, look, like she said earlier, her mother lost her husband, never remarried, but took care of a family of seven children. That's an incredible, me and we have to be able to observe those things early on about our spouses. And so that's why I knew that there was value in a partnership with her. And then, so what that did, that intrigued me to uh, find out more about her so that we could partner together. And so I think, I think what's critical in that too is that uh, even as a, like I said, we got, we, got, we got married at a young age, but I'm gonna tell you something. Uh, there, was, there was some maturity at that young age in each one of us. Yes, yes. There was a maturity that was beyond some of my peers. Absolutely. Right? There was a maturity that was, I learned some things just through life earlier on that gave me a sense of maturity to even pose some specific questions to someone who, now look, the amazing thing was, I never asked any other woman these questions until I met her. Wow. And they were some uh, they were some imposing questions. Absolutely. That, that I never thought to ask any other woman that I had dated. Right? And those 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 questions were questions, those questions that they, they, they were questions that entail what the future would hold. Absolutely. That's good. I think you said something powerful because I always witness and view this. The apple don't fall too far from the tree. Yeah. When you meet the child, you, you know, I'm a true believer, you meet the parent. And I have witnessed that by uh, uh, dating. Mm -hmm. And when I have met the moms or, or a, a dad, I knew right then if that's something I wanted to do because it's hard to take away from her heritage yeah. or his heritage. That's yeah. it. You, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, that, that's powerful there. That's good. That's good. Um, you guys have so much rich information um, for us, and that's why we're just listening, full of listening. I do want to see if we can talk about um, something you we we kind of alluded to. I want to ask you about intimacy in a marriage, and I want to talk to it about in in a way that. You know, intimacy is stuff outside of sexual intimacy. I'm talking about, you know, non-sexual intimacy or however you view that. Um, it can be expressed in many ways. How do you guys personally express or can help couples understand what intimacy can look like outside of physical touch or, you know, physical sexual intimacy? How can y'all help couples with that? Yeah, it, you know, uh, I, I think it's very important the way that you pose that question, question because so often within our culture, within our society, intimacy is looked at from the sexual perspective. Yes. 
And so what I have learned over these years, because again, because I am a product of this culture and society, I must say that early on, to me as a man, intimacy meant nothing but sex, mm -hmm. okay? Earlier on, right? And again, that's where your spouse comes in and you learn something. Intimacy is more than the sexual experience. Uh, and so one of the things that my wife taught me about intimacy, uh, intimacy for, for her meant a man providing and protecting and being a priest, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, those things, be, she showed me that were more, uh, before you could get to the sexual intimacy, there had to be uh, intimacy in a connection of her being felt safe, secure, protected, and nourished mentally and spiritually. That's good. And I think I would add to it that in the beginning, there was a mutual agreement of the physical, sexual. It's like you jackrabbits. That's all you do, seem like, because you're just really expressing and, you know, it's like the, the, the doors are opening and flower. I mean, it's, everything seems lovely. Then kids come along. And when kids come along, this is when intimacy to me changes for a woman. Okay. Because now her desire and attention is no longer all on the husband. I have someone else now. And that bond that a mother has from a child in the womb for nine months, men don't understand it, but you help them through it. And I think that's when the intimacy changes for, for women, a lot of women. Because at first, you know, it's almost as if maybe the drive was head on. Right. But then the body changes. Women body, men's body don't tend to change until they get older. So, Honestly, yeah. until they get older. <laughs> yeah. But all while they're in, you know, their 20s, their 30s, and even, even 40s, mid-40s before their body change. Well, women's body changes from the time she could be 12, from her menstrual cycle, all the way up now. And men don't really understand that part of it, that that impacts intimacy for us now. Charlene, you say emotion. Now my emotions are involved in this thing. My hormones got my emotions everywhere. And it takes a communication, right, of being open and honest with your spouse as how what your body is going through. They may not understand it at first, because now I go back on what he said, a maturity comes. You have to be able to understand and to mature and say, okay, Men seem to think that it's always, always about them and their need and their pleasure. And that's all it is. I'm in and I'm out. Whereas for women, it may take us longer. But if you clean the house up, fold some clothes, do this, prepare, I'm in now. That means I ain't got nothing else to do but give you that time. And so the intimacy is not only that, but it's everything else that comes with that. If you feed the child, if you bathe the child tonight, you know, all of that is part of the intimacy. That means now we're going back to partnership. A woman doesn't feel like I had this kid and I'm in this by myself. You're going to help me raise it. You're going to help me feed it. You're going to help me. And so that's when the intimacy really can, the physical part can fall completely off because the woman feel like I'm in this alone and you're just doing what you want to do. But we got this kid here. 
and it impacts everything else in the household now. And, but if we can understand that up front from 12, a woman's body changing, literally at 12, I don't think men ever even saw it like that. But at the age of 11 to 12, when the woman's body really changed, and now we say because she has a cycle, she's coming into womanhood, yeah, that impacts her now. Not even before you came along, she was dealing with that at 11, 12 years old. Mm. You know, and so now you come along and we get sexually active, or, you know, like we just grow our hormones, all of that, and then we get married, and then a child comes along, intimacy is the first thing that gets impacted to me. It really, and it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's a fight, but it's a, it's a, a challenge, if you will, to really sit down and want to come to that understanding with your mate. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think um, you said a couple things that I um, gravitated to in those, in, in your conversations. I think that when we're talking about intimacy and non-physical and we're non, should I say, non-sexual non um, intimacy, I definitely think that, and I think it can happen for men as well as women. We were talking, I know, um, kind of pointed out emotional. And when I'm talking about emotional, I'm not talking about the hormonal emotional. I'm talking about the mental stimulation connection of the emotional. Um, I'm not, you know, not the tears, but I'm saying, like you said, being thoughtful. Can you help me with the kids? Can you give the kids a bath? To me, that's an emotional intimacy right, because you're connecting right. with me based on something that I need. Same way, you know, with my, you know, doing things for my husband that he may need. But you, what I heard you guys say was learning communication. Like couples need to learn how to communicate with each other. What makes you feel good and safe outside of just the physical yeah. intercourse? What makes you feel good in your marriage with your partner to connect you guys emotionally together and, and I heard someone say maturity comes into place, communication comes, and then being considerate. Yeah. That it's not just about you, yeah. but this is about us. How can we stay, you know, intimately connected with each other? Did you have any feedback? Yes. Um, to me, I got a lot from what Ms. Sister Bonnie said about intimacy, but intimacy also for me was friendship. I was, you know, learning and appreciate her as a person, you know, and becoming friends, continue learning her do's, her likes, her don'ts, you know what I mean? Um, that comes from that communication uh, and then having a mutual respect for who she is, create that friendship, you know, but intimacy consisted for me a whole lot of things, like washing my clothes, uh, cleaning the house, you know, intimacy for me was making sure the grass was cut when my wife pulled up in the driveway. You know what I mean? Make sure her car was clean when she got in it. You, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, and it starts a dialogue. So when we come together, it's a smooth transition. You know what I mean? Um, but I really think intimacy is a lot of communication and friendship. Um, I want to enjoy who she is and like who she is. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I mean, when we had Jerry, she was definitely impacted sexually intimacy because she was going through a motion of, what is Sick. it? Not, what, what was it when, when, after you have the baby, you just postpartum. postpartum. And, you know, and Bonnie, you helped me out with that and mama, you know what I mean? Because I just thought she was losing her mind. 
<laughs> you know I me, mean? but she was actually going yeah. through. Yeah. You know because we got pregnant quick. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like four babies, babies within you know, two years. Yeah. I mean, we had Jermaine, Tiffany, um, pregnant with Jarius. Habiba was still there. Right after I got, yeah, Habiba was still there. I got pregnant with Jarius. I mean, what, 60 days into our marriage, yeah. I think, 30 days, 60 days. And then 10 months later, I was pregnant with Kendall. Yeah. Trying to run a business, trying to have a new family. And I was, yeah. It was tough. Yeah. It, yeah. That was a tough yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough time, especially in Gamerson, trying to have intimacy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was really tough. You know? I remember those conversations. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and it's so funny because as each one of these podcasts that we do, we are learning so much. I am learning, and I'm sure he is so much about each other that we maybe haven't even expressed to each other. Um, not intentionally, but, you know, things that you just discover about your mate. Um, when you guys were talking, what I heard was the word love language. Um, and I think we, you guys did this with us, I think, some years ago. Um, and how important, because Reggie said something that made me think about it, how important it is to know how your significant other communicates. For him, he said stuff like, it was important for him to cut the grass for me, you know, for my car to be clean. I don't even know that I thought of it that way then. I didn't realize that Reg's love language was a gifter until we did that session. And that it rocked me because I had taken for years for granted, um, unintentionally for granted those things that he was doing because I just, you know, hey, that's just what he likes to do. But it really was, it may have been something he likes to do, but he liked to do it because it was a fulfillment of him making me fulfilled in his way of expressing love to me. And I think that couples miss that, being intentional to learn how each other communicates. Um, because I don't talk like he talks, so I have to learn how to receive, you know, his love language through the years. For example, I used to love giving my wife a call. That was me communicating, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I didn't think she, she liked it, but you know, she didn't respond to me in a way that, wow, I got a call from my husband. So when I stopped doing it, she was like, well, why you stop giving me cards? I miss your cards. I'm like, I couldn't tell, you know what I mean? But that was my way of saying, girl, I, I'm thinking about you. I love you, you know, without me having to write the words sometimes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But it's my expression. You know, uh, of love. And that's, that was how I was communicating. Then, like I said, I, I used to love giving her stuff. You know, sometimes she received it, sometimes she wouldn't. You know. And you see how early on in any marriage that can be challenging because we didn't communicate about it, right? I didn't know that's how he was expressing love. I am anybody who knows me. I'm a money financial. Mm, I can hold a dollar for a long time. And so sometimes I saw things as, I'm sorry, guys, he has some food on the grill, so he got to go check it. <laughs> but, um, sometimes, so, we come, so we can come over later. Have yeah, food. come on over. We got some food on the grill. Um, so I, I would see sometimes like, oh, he bought me a car. This is another $4. You know what I mean? And I didn't see it as him gifting a part of himself to me because we just didn't communicate about it. 
And I think that early on in relationships, if couples would use some of the tools of just talking about what it is that you need or what it is that you do to express versus automatically us feeling like Anthony's supposed to know, Bonnie's supposed to know when I do this, what it means. No, we really don't. We really don't. Yeah. Um, so you guys are like us. You are now no longer parenting kids. We kind of talked with other couples who had children. And I think, I don't know which one of you guys alluded to this, but you said that early on, you guys actually talked about how you would parent your children and rear them. We had a lot of couples who said they never did that. They just went with the flow. Um, and, you know, hopefully it worked out. Some, some of us have, some of <laughs> but they went with the flow. But now most of the couples, you know, and that was early on, we've all are transitioning to our children being teenagers or young adults. So I want to ask wisdom from you guys. Since you're out of parenting children, how difficult was it for you guys to transition or was it at all difficult to transition from parenting children to young adults and what that looked like for you guys and what advice could you give us? <laughs> Stumped y'all. Oh, no, 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 no. I was waiting. I thought she was going to jump in, but since she didn't. Uh, actually, I think it's, I think every uh, age group is a transition, okay? Uh, I can remember when our uh, sons went off to college. That was a transition, okay? Uh, it was a transition and, you know, it's a transition where your, where your young adult children begin to teach you uh, how uh, to parent them at this stage in their lives, okay? You and what- did you mute yourself? And and so what what you do is as they're teaching you this transition now of how uh, you're going to be a part of their lives now, right? Because when they were younger, we definitely I know I took the position that you are. Um, it, it was always about economics <laughs> when they were younger in my house, right? The economics was that you were on this side of the ledger. You were a liability on this side of the ledger. Because you were a liability on this side of the ledger, then that means that I was the CEO and you had to take note from what I had to say. But as they transitioned to college, I'll never forget the funny story about college was, is that when they turned 18 and they went off to college, they wouldn't give me, the school administration would give me the right to see their grades. So that was that transition for me uh, that you no longer had control over the situation. And so, yeah, I think that, and then, you know, so then the college years, I'll let her share, but my view for, for the college years was her, I think it was more difficult for her to let go of them. For me, it wasn't because as a man raising young men, I was always training them 
and letting them know that when you hit 18, you got to get out of here. Either you're going to go to college or you're going to go to work. And if you stayed at home, you had a short period of time that you was going to stay at home. I was going to help you get on your feet. All right. But after that, you had to go because there's only one king in my house. Absolutely. And it is I. So, so, so for her though, that was difficult. She, these were her babies. You know, again, like she said earlier, you know, men, men don't quite understand the nine month thing of gestation and that child in her womb, right? They have a, they have a different connection that, than we as men do, right? Yeah. And so she had that diff, difficult transition. But then, uh, you know, also as they got out of college, and then transitioned into being married and being real enough adults and taking care of their own bills and everything like that. Uh, you, I learned to where I think this is where the spiritual thing came in is that you really had to turn them over and let them go, turn them over to God's hand. Because again, they always, when they became adults, they always going to teach you, you know, that you don't have say like you used to have in their lives and you had to come to that understanding that they are adults and now with their decision making and trust and trust in what you instilled in them that not only what you instilled in them but then the sovereign hand of god also in their lives and allow him to have his way in their lives uh, as they as they are adults okay i think um I agree with that as well. But also as far as a woman's perspective or mother's perspective um, in rearing men, sons, uh, it seems as if the dynamic is already set as far as male to female. Mothers are tend to be closer to their sons. Fathers are closer to the daughter. And so that dynamic is always going on. But then as the time, I never forget when Jason was playing uh, Pop Warner. It was middle school. And actually, even in middle school, as each stage is they're changing middle school, high school, college, you're adjusting too. But at that time, you're still very much connected because you're at every game, you make sure they get the practice, you're all into that. You're in their world almost when they're that age, you're in their world. You're yet being a parent, but you're showing them the support and the love, you know, that you have for them. And so at one point when it turned for me, when Jason first broke his arm playing uh, wrist, rather, pop on the football, I called myself being the mother. He's still in all his gear. We get home. He needs to wash up now. He needs to take a shower, but he got this thing on his arm. And so I go in. I'm asking Anthony. This is the difference here. Mm -hmm. Hey, go help your son do that. Yo, man, he can do it. Wait a minute. He's a kid with a broke arm. Yeah, young man. No, no, this, I'm just, this, this is my perspective here. This is what I'm saying. You're still back you in But hold on. You're still back in partnership. Because I think too many times we, men can, can, overshow a strength that doesn't allow a son to be intact when something really hurts him. He's there now because vulnerable is the word. Yeah, that's the word. He's there now because he's older. But I saw it as in coming up as well. So okay, he didn't go in and help. 
okay, I'm being the mother. So what turned it for me when I pulled this, you know, short pants down, I saw all this hair. I was like, oh, man, this kid is growing up. I'm like, oh, I can do this. I gave him privacy. Okay, let me just soak this all up. Boom, boom. He didn't know I recognized the puberty hair. He does um, now on national TV. Just it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> we talked about it before. Ain't no issue, you know. Um, told the story many times before. But anyway, um, I said, see, he that's got what you it. Get from running up in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. I bet he did. Now the mirror, like, whoa. Very much so. <laughs> that you won't run up in there again. So, but now, you know, as time transitions, what you say, whatever. Now, he says, and this is from our younger son telling this version. When Jason goes off to college, Mir, uh, Jamal got one more year. So Jamal says his dad did a 360 on him because he was grieving Jason leaving and knowing he was soon to leave. Jamal's story is my dad gave me a hard time. My senior year, he was on me. Now, and he was. To where I had to tell Anthony, fall back. You're really missing your son and you're just trying this hardness to have this hardness that you're not missing them, like I'm gonna miss them, or he's missing it. And now he had to gently grumble about it, but I hit a nerve that was true. And then Jamal comes along and say, yeah, dad, you just, you tripping is what they would say, you tripping because you, you I'm finna leave too, and you missing your older son, and you know I'm getting ready to leave. Now, every time at college I had to go give groceries with whatever, guess who was with me? Okay. My point is, he was with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> we can forget the hardness and all of that because I think now, even though we're shifting in our parenting, even to this day, I'll say, as their own men, guess what? We're still very much involved. Now, I, I contribute this because of the relationship we had over the years always involved. And whatever they're doing, they'll quickly hey mom dad we're here hey mom dad we're here don't have to because i told anthony the other day i'm like that's still good that our kids wants us to be a part of them that's good because that's many of them don't want their parents a part of anything that's happening and i really contribute that to god you know and all of that to where now man they'll call us and say hey yo what y'all doing let's go to the movie they ain't got to do that because they're their own adults now but we we so even though they're older, well, we say, come over, we're cooking. Definitely for that. <laughs> but even though they're older, we've given them space because we had to come and rescue some bad arguments and fights that they had. They would call, hey, mom, dad, come get your son, come get your. Yeah, that was there. But then we even learned then, don't call no more. Especially, that you, out. especially if you ain't gonna take my advice. Oh, yeah, yeah. If not, now all of a sudden, I'm the bad person. Yeah, right. What you call me for? Okay, I ain't coming again. No, really. But I'm just saying, you transition through that and say, okay, let them figure that out next time. If really you ain't dismembered or got to, you know, they didn't cut your neck, don't call. Figure that out. And so in that, that's how you transition through to even where now, like I said, you to me, you never stop parenting. No. I don't care how old they are. <laughs> Mom was still being a parent. You just change how you do it. Okay, how old they get, you just shift. I think you shift as they shift, you shift. Yeah. It's important to shift when they shift. We get stuck in not shifting. And I think you um, you said something that I think is a great um, 
challenge for, you know, a different parents, I guess, at different times. I think moms go through something when they're shifting because we have carried that life and, and it is literally, you know, I'm going to use this analogy. Reggie cut the umbilical cord at birth, right? So he went through that experience. I don't really cut their umbilical cord for me until truly college time. And I, that's what I'm doing with all of them. That's when I feel like I had to kind of snip and let go for me because they, they're at that age where they don't need me the same. They, they you know, I, I don't have to cook for them anymore. I don't have, they don't, they're not coming to me for advice. And, you know, their friends, they're very dependent on their friends and they're very dependent on, you know, their social environment. And um, even when I didn't want to nip the cord, it seemed like it was just pulled, it was severed for me. <laughs> And, you know, and I'm, I'm appreciating it. You know, this is number four for us, you know, we're five, I guess, deeper, but four for us. And I, I can't say it's gotten easier, but I can say it's gotten better, right? Because Kendall's my last one and watching him and knowing that we're getting ready to be empty nesters. Praise God. I'm, ha I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I, I'm excited about it. Um, Can you guys hear me? Now we can. Oh, you couldn't hear me before? Yes. Okay. Um, it's definitely gonna be a turn in our, in our lives and you know, from what we are expecting. I don't know if Reggie had the same experience at what- I absolutely did. Letting go and allowing them to, and appreciating, even when I don't agree their perspective, that was a challenge. Cause I'm, you know, I'm like, warning, warning. Yes. So sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. You know, I had a conversation just yesterday with Kendall because um, I was upset with him because he has a full scholarship to play football. He went to the skate park and hurt his ankle. And they posted that workout on Monday. Yeah. So I said, I came back in, I said, you supposed to be playing football, you're up to the skate park. So he was really upset with me. So I went upstairs to apologize to him and say, you know what, son, you are absolutely right. You are a young man who's about to articulate yourself and going into young adulthood, you capable of making decisions for yourself. I'm sorry, and I left. Now I'm still mad, Right. you know what I mean? Because, you know, do you understand what's going on? This opportunity that you got right here, that you, I went, just went to orientation and then had to spend a dime. Man. You know, I had my money ready, or begrudgingly, you were to pay for this, pay for that, and had to spend not one dime. You see, so I'm excited that, wow, look at what you have achieved. I'm so proud of you. You know what I mean? And um, so, you know, just the experiences of witnessing them, you know, or trying to be, you know, like you said, now I got two of them that's out there. They don't, they don't call for advice. They call for money. Okay. <laughs> so then now I got you. You want my money? I'm going to give you some advice. Right, right. Okay. Whether you want it or not. Yeah. If you want it or not, you know what I mean? So, but you know, it's 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 a experience and it's two different personalities how people feel. You know, I was I was going to Pinbook every weekend. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, could you leave him at school and yeah. stop going yeah. to get I was him, going please? To every weekend, <laughs> that's my boy. You know, you know what I mean? And then that's a difference between the personality. Kenna don't need that. Jerry's need that. Jerry's need that affirmation to to confirm 
him, you know what I mean? Killing him, killing just made you know you did, you know. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. all of them was different. Knowing you different know? kids yeah. and what they yeah. need. If you guys could um, go back to the beginning of your marriage, what advice would you give yourself? If you if you could, you know, have teleprompt yourself in future and go back in time, what advice would you give yourself, Bonnie, Anthony, about marriage today? What piece of advice would you give yourself? Bonnie. I'm thinking. Oh. I'm teleporting back. Okay, teleport back. <laughs> while you're doing that, I'll I'm read another back. quote while y'all think, okay? Um, to take that off. Uh, marriage is not a noun. It's a verb. It isn't something you get, it's something you do. It's the way you love your partner every single day. That's by Barbara DeAngelis. I like that quote. I like that too. Something you do is active. It's active. Um, And express and show, it's action. Let me see, but if I could go back, that's kind of a hard question because I wouldn't be where I am now had I not experienced it, that. Right. So it's with the knowledge that you have now, what would you go back and tell your earlier self? Hey, Bonnie, do this. Bonnie, learn that. What would you tell your earlier self? Probably, Bonnie, get over yourself. That's good. That's Bonnie, good. get over yourself. That's good. Um, everybody doesn't value what you value. Get over yourself. That's really good. That's good. That is really good. That's a mouthful. Anthony? I, I would go back and tell my younger self uh, to enjoy every chapter of the book. Ah, that's good. Enjoy every chapter. Oh, that's good. Because I think uh, marriages are lived out in chapters. Mm. Uh, you have a beginning. You have an introduction beginning, a body, and an end. And so what I would tell myself, because, because, of, because of the nature of my character, I would tell my young self, don't take everything to heart and so serious, but to enjoy every chapter of the novel. Mm, that's good. It's a it's a novel and not a short story. But to enjoy every chapter of that novel. That's that's good. I mean to get over yourself and enjoy every chapter of this book you're you are writing in your life. Right. Wow. Yes, yes. Okay, you're good right. I, good advice, good advice. <laughs> That's me there. Thank you. I, I would definitely <laughs> go back and get over myself quickly because yes. I was so easy to be offended. Mm-hmm. You know, quick. Yeah. You know, and then, then what you said, everybody don't value what you buy. You know what I mean? I'm like, why can't you make my socks? <laughs> uh, um, son, why can't you clean your room? You, you know, it ain't that serious. And then to enjoy those moments because they're only temporal. Mm. They ain't gonna be here long, you know. Because man, I remember first met Jermaine. I mean, it's like wow. Now Jermaine got his own apartment, you know. Just 
it, 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 you know, it ain't gonna last long. Yes. I want to ask you guys a question. Um, very simple question. I know you guys can handle. Um, it says, "What do you think gender roles in marriage should be?" And I got four subtopics: finance, kids, cooking, cleaning, leadership. What do you guys think about gender roles? In one of our podcasts, we kind of talked about the roles of a man and a woman um, in in marriages. However, that could be different in each marriage of what your household needs. So, what do you guys? How do you guys interpret gender roles for your marriage? And we guys, when Aunt Reggie was saying, possibly looking at things like in your finances with kids, cooking, cleaning, leadership. Well, I think there's been an evolution. I, I'd say, you know, over the 38 years of our marriage, there, you know, has been an evolution of that uh, again. And I think that there, there are specific roles that, that, uh, that are played out. And I think those roles are biblical roles too, uh, because uh, I, I, I can say earlier on in our marriage, um, the role was, is the, the male role was that I was the provider, right? Absolutely. That I was the protector, protector right? Uh, and that as I was the priest of my home, um, and so I think that we play those roles out like that because when it came to a place in our marriage earlier on, when it came to a place in our marriage earlier on, uh, we had to make a decision on work. Uh, at that time, earlier on, when the boys were young, um, both of us was working. Then we had to look at childcare. And childcare was so expensive to where one of the incomes was just being used for childcare. Yeah. And so we looked at each other and we was like, yes, that don't make sense. I said, so we made the decision that I would work and she would Take care of the chick. Now we made that decision together. It was an equal decision. I just been looking at her and say, "Hey, I make the most money." Boom. You just no. We we like oh, this. Don't make any sense for us both of us to be working, and one income is going just to childcare. So we made that decision earlier on, right? Yeah. And and so again, that was a role. That was a role. That was a role that that was clearly clearly mapped out earlier on in our relationship. And then 20 years later, wow, that role changed. Where she became the main source of income, right? Because, because God was shifting us, uh, you, know, uh, you know, with ministry and things like that. You know, I dedicated uh, you know, I was going to dedicate the latter portion of my career or profession to ministry. And so then, you know, there may, and so what I just want to see is show you is that there was an evolution of roles that changed. You had to be able to accept yeah. and adapt those changes to those Absolutely. changes. They weren't written in stone. 
I, I guess I would say they weren't written in stone. You had to be fluid. That's really powerful because I think that's some of the advice that we gave in our last podcast is that people can get really stuck on he does this, she does that. And when we talked about that quote about partnerships, right? And we, one of the ones times we did, we looked at it as business. We talked about from a business perspective and you can go into a partnership with a, with a person and you guys start the partnership and he may be, this person may be the face, the sales, the face of the company, while this person may be the person who works in the background of the company. But maybe things shift and you have to change a little bit. You know, somebody gets worn down. I don't like going out and meeting everybody all the time. So the roles change and being fluid and um, able to make those adjustments. And so um, I think that was really good what he Absolutely. just said. Yeah. Absolutely. Life changes. Yeah. We develop, we grow. Sometimes there's some stagnation because of employment. You know, things happen, you know, where we have to change. You know, and, and the, the times dictate change. Technology dictate change. But what works in my marriage and is working may not work in your marriage. You know, I got a friend, his wife, he was grinding every day. His wife was working four days and making more double money because he's in uh, system technology. And he was landscaping. And it didn't make sense because he was like, man, I can't, I'm missing my kids. I ain't making the money that I should be making. I got to pay all this childcare. And then they end up reversing the roles where he stayed home and done the duties, due diligence with the kids. And you know, it worked for them. Once upon a time, that was unimaginable to me, but I'm like, they so happy. Every time I see them, they're a model couple, you know what I mean? And it works. You know, so yeah, I, I, think, I, I think what happens in that is that what we already said, you get over yourself. Yes. You learn you to get over yourself. Humility. Quick. Yes. Um, doesn't matter which role it is, but as being a partner, you're gonna step up to that plate wherever yes. it's needed. Yes. For the whole, for Absolutely. the good of the whole. And I think what happens is I stay stuck in my selfish ways. Yes. And we prolong it. Absolutely. And then the tension fills the house and you know, everything gets chaos because Really, you don't want to let go. Yeah. Hey, it can change. Yeah. And, and, and if we can, I'll say this, if we can learn to embrace change quicker, yeah. we're better. Yeah. Wow. You, you're right. That's good. It's That's good. good. Embrace good. it quicker because like you say, the handwriting on the wall, everything is shifting. We see this, but now it's up to you to say, okay, I agree, God. Let me embrace this. How do I fit here and go forward with it? Absolutely. So embrace good. it quicker. That is so good. And I want to, Thank you guys so much for the information that you guys have shared. I think it has been phenomenal, woo, phenomenal and just bountiful. Before we leave it in this podcast, two more things I want to do. I want to see if you would leave one last thought with us, with our guest. Um, and it is, what do you think you have learned over the years from your spouse that you will never or should never forget? What's the one thing that you've learned, Anthony, from Bonnie that you'll never forget that will go will be eternal with you? And Bonnie, what's the one thing you've learned from Anthony that you'll never forget? I, 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 you know, that's difficult to just use one word. Okay. I'll, <laughs> sum it up like this. I'll sum it up like this, commitment and dedication. Oh, that's good, okay. 
commitment is that Bonnie's like, no, oh, he just put it on me now. I got to think, think it. <laughs> you should have let you should have went first, Bonnie. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. Yes. What I've learned is um, Anthony's stewardship mm. when it comes to finances. He's taught me that well, and I'll never forget. And his his overall work ethic. Mm. You know, in spite of you know some setbacks like with the the uh, aneurysm and stuff like that. To me personally, I didn't think he allowed himself to heal. He was right back up doing, and I would fuss him out every single time. But I'm just saying that that work ethic, that tenacity there, and then just being a good steward has helped me out tremendously because, you know, I was always like, well, we need, we need, we need, we need, especially when the kids were growing up. They're going, they're out of pants, they're out of this size. And he was like, girl, learn to save. And to where now, I got that. Even though the roles have changed somewhat, I've got that loud and clear. Never forget. His stewardship stands out for me. That's good. That's good. Commitment, dedication, stewardship, and work ethic. Wow. Isn't that good? Yeah. Well, this oh, is, we okay. got to go. Oh, we got I'm to go. I'm going to go first. So I ain't going to be put on the spot like that. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go okay, first. Listen. First thing I learned from my wife, one of the things that always, uh, I, I just love how she is transitional, meaning she can see a need, make it happen. Change is not a problem for her, um, um, especially when it is, it's about stewardship where we need income. She will figure it out some kind of way where something will happen and we we, we okay. Um, and then her patience, patience to deal with me. Um, which require a lot, um, and I love her for that. So those those are two things I got. Thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think from my husband, one of the things that he's taught me is to learn to be open. Um, I'm I'm pretty protected. Most people who outside of my family, if you don't know me, I'm really shy. I'm really an introvert. I could, I'm. Me, mine, and my space. I'm, with my family, we we loud, we everything. But other people on the outside, I'm very, you know, guarded. Um, being with Reggie for 20 years has helped me to be more open, and so I appreciate that about him. And um, definitely, definitely, like he is a worker bee. Like he is, boy. I commitment to get the job done like drives me crazy sometimes because I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about, but man, to watch him, you know, and, and to watch him do it with such fervor is, is just something I'll never forget. So just him teaching me how to be open and fr more friendly or engaging to people. And then the fact that we share the ability to be workers and to go get. So I appreciate that, honey. Okay, so guys, this has been really good. Thank you. I think that you guys have, um, you know, left a lot of um, nuggets for people. And I hope that you guys, when we come back to do our game night, couples game night, you will join us. Before we leave, though, you got to do what we've asked all of our couples to do. So you got to turn and look at each other. Go on and look at your love bug right in the eye. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's um this is 38 years of looking at each other y'all have to be real comfortable <laughs> and take this moment to just look at your spouse or your significant other in the eye and say this thank you for this journey thank, thank you, you for, for this, this journey. journey and i'm excited to see and i'm excited to see where the next chapters in our lives where the next chapters in our lives take us Take us. Give each other some kisses. Enjoy, enjoy the chapters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is really good. You guys did an excellent job. This is your girl Charlene with Soul Sisters Talk. We thank you for listening to our series. Again, it's called The Journey of Marriage, The Ups and the Downs, and we can make it through them together. Listen, this is episode three. We got two more episodes and then we got a couple's game night. You don't want to miss it. So make sure you keep watching us on YouTube. You follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all the pod streaming outlets. Apple, Google, Spotify. We're there. Listen, subscribe, follow us. Thank you guys.